Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast, episode 33, in which I interview Merrick Hamer. But first... The real Rosencruz <laughs> Of those of Fez, he often did confess that their magia was not altogether pure, and also their Kabbalah was defiled with their religion. But notwithstanding, he knew how to make good use of the same, and found still more better grounds of his faith, altogether agreeable with the harmony of the whole world, and wonderfully impressed in all periods of time, and thence proceedeth that fair concord, that as in every special kernel is contained a whole good tree or fruit, so likewise is including in the little body of man the whole great world, whose religion, policy, health, members, nature, language, words and works are agreeing, sympathizing, and in equal tune and melody with God, heaven and earth, and that which is disagreeing with them is error, falsehood, and of the devil, who alone is the first, middle, and last cause of strife, blindness, and darkness in the world. Also, might one examine all and several persons upon the earth? He should find that which is good and right is always agreeing with itself, but all the rest is spotted with a thousand erroneous conceits. After two years, our brother Rosenkreutz departed the city Fez and sailed with many costly things into Spain, hoping well he himself had so well and so profitably spent his time in his travel that the learned in Europe would highly rejoice with him, and begin to rule and order all their studies according to those sound and sure foundations. He therefore conferred with the learned in Spain, showing unto them the errors of our arts, and how they might be corrected, and from whence they should gather the true inditia of the times to come, and wherein they ought to agree with those things that are past. Also how the faults of the church and the whole philosophia moralis was to be amended. He showed them new growths, new fruits, and beasts, which did concord with old philosophy, and prescribed them new axiomata, whereby all things might fully be restored. But it was to them a laughing matter, and being a new thing unto them, they feared that their great name should be lessened if they should now again begin to learn and acknowledge their many erroneous errors to which they were accustomed, and wherewith had gained them enough, who so loveth uniqueness, let him be reformed. The Fama Fraternitatis, first published in 1614. Our guest tonight is a five times past master at the Culver City Fauché Lodge, and he is also one of the stars of Beyond Lemuria. We thank thee, great spirit of the holy mountain, 
we thank you, great avatars of the ages. We are blessed and comforted by your wisdom and inspiration. I'm Grandmaster for life. Give me back that staff right now. Which you've heard me recommend before, and we've spoken to a few of the other stars of that movie already on this podcast. He also is the premonstrator of that same traditional Golden Dawn Order, of which Poke Runyon is the Imperator. He is also a poet and a Shakespearean actor. So let's get to that interview, shall we? Greetings, Frater. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your name? The first name, of course, is a, is a little odd. I, I mean, most people think of Merrick as a last name, and even that's kind of rare. Right. But apparently it's uh, Teutonic, Scottish origin, and it, uh, if I'm correct, it means industrious. Mm. And the last name, of course, is Hamer. That is um, originally from uh, northern Germany. Mm-hmm. And it probably was spelled with two M's. It migrated to uh, Sweden and then came over to the United States where the documents gave people the choice of spelling it with one or two M's. Now, is and it related they, uh, to Hammer? Well, yes. I, I believe if you were to take it back in terms of its origin, it, it means Hammer. So I guess I'm an industrial Hammer. <laughs> hammer. <laughs> and from the region, I, I can't help thinking of Thor. I wonder if... That's the same word that they used for the the, the hammer of Thor. Well, it, it it could. You know, my sister was, um, she's my late sister. She was the genealogist of the family. Mm-hmm. And evidently she took the name back to Hamel. Hmm. Uh, now there's, a, of, course, of course, a place in Germany called Hameln. Right. And that's actually the origin of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Ah, Hamelin is simply Robert Browning's way of uh, stating Hamelin, which is very difficult for English tongues to uh, pronounce. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? I may have um, I may have come from, uh, or my ancestors may have come from that origin of uh, Westphalia in Germany. Uh, I do have a, kind of a um, strong um, inclination for the uh, um, uh, for the story of the. Uh, Pied Piper of Hamelin. Mm-hmm. I've, I've worked with children in the past, uh, working for a public library, by the way, and mm-hmm. I've adopted uh, numerous stories to dramatic use, and that was the first one. And uh, this may be uh, digressing a little bit, but uh, my family would occasionally go up north to uh, Sacramento, and on the way back, they would stop in a little town called Nutree where um, there was this gentleman that played these two penny whistles dressed as the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Hmm. And he would pipe the children around the, uh, the little airport resort, which is what it was. Nice. And um, I, I was fascinated with that. And each year when I would uh, go north with my family, uh, he would still be there. And it turned out he was an oboist with uh, this Santa Rosa Orchestra. And mm-hmm. I was an oboe student at the time, uh, playing oboe in school orchestras. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, took a, a strong fascination. I, I 
purchase two flutes and uh, develop my own technique on them, and and then I would return each year and show um, uh, Ted Goodfellow, that was his name, my my progress, and of course he was uh, delighted with it. And of course, uh, the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, uh, I, I became very attached to that as well. And I developed I'll have to catch up on that one, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a story where, um, you know, the um, a town in the Middle Ages was infested with rats and the people didn't know what to do about it. And uh, they were just beyond control. And so the city, uh, Biggermeister and, and the town council figured, well, maybe we can pay somebody to take care of it in this Piper uh, piped his way into town and said, I can get rid of the rats for you. And and they offered to pay him, and he um, he um, he um, enticed all the rats of the town to uh, go with them to the river Vaser, where they were where they were washed away. Mm. And he did, in fact, rid the town of the rats. Uh, but they uh, reneged on their uh, on their uh, payment for him, and so he said, Well, in that case. You'll pay me with your children. <laughs> he piped the children out of town. Mm. Um, where the children ended up is always a matter of theory <laughs> and debate. <laughs> uh, he, he did not uh, drown them in the River Vaser, however. Which so, uh, which dovetails nicely place. into the Golden Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> and and fast forward uh, and and it says online. I hope you don't mind my revealing that you were an, an organist with uh, the Culver City Lodge. Uh, yes, yes, that is true. I'm the I've been the organist there for uh, a number of years. So I've that song heard, song of the siren that lures children to the Masonic Hall is is you in there on the organ. I I think that's right. <laughs> Excellent. And what, what was it that you wanted to? Um, there there were the seasonal, the, uh, something you had written for the seasonals that you wanted to talk about. Well, I I. I do some writing on the side, and uh, I have some tributes to the four seasons of the year, and I've been posting um, portions of them on Facebook as each season, as each uh, equinox or, 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 um, or solstice arrives, and and um, and so I haven't uh, yet posted the last one, so you'll be hearing it first. Nice. Um, and uh, I've readopted them to. Um, uh, something uh, more um, uh, more in the form of a dialogue, and I want eventually to develop this into a larger work. I won't exactly say what that'll be right now. Cause right. I'm, I'm just thinking about it, but it's the, these are really um, preliminary structures for something something larger. Now, does it start with spring, or do you or do you start with, with spring, and then of course summer? Excellent. I, I've always thought that spring should start. The, uh, they they start the day in our uh, in a, in this uh, calendar with midnight. They start the year with just after Yule. But I always thought the golden dawn should be the uh, the start of the day. Yeah, I think so too. And actually, each one of these and they're interconnected, and that's why I want to read all four of them. Um, you could actually start with any one of them, and it uh, trans. Sends into the into the next one, you know. So yeah. So um, whenever you're ready, I'll oh, uh, yeah, read sure. one, and then if you'd like, I can read them all straight through. Well, I, uh, let's start with spring, and then one. and yeah, and then uh, 
and then we can kind of reflect on it and then and then move on to summer and uh, yeah sounds good very well now each one is um is a tribute to the season and it begins with an allegory and then it concludes with a prayer okay so the first one is a vernal reflection so everybody get into the east of your temple absolutely okay. <laughs> due east thus saith the spirit vernalis Arise, I say, for long hast thou lingered in the dark place of repose, in be the place whither all that have lived have resorted for a time, ere they return again to the realm of their former estate. Something without is changing, I tell thee. Indeed, with the whole of the earth, and within the great sphere that hath enveloped it, the perpetual pulse that hath sustained, sustained thee is now increasing. The ears of earth are pricking up to the sounds of nature. The strains thou hast once known are adding to the orisons of morning, and the choruses of earth's creatures are singing about, for they are come again, and their beautiful voices beckon thee. Let the depths therefore release thee, I say, wherefore arise. Something hath opened above and before me, saith the child of awakening, as if to make way for my transformation. Even as it doth for me, so doth it for the smallest kernel, letting the roots thereof hold fast, and the, and the bud there within loom forth. Something hath beckoned me, this I know, for I have heard the strains. Let therefore my loins take foundation, and my head fill with aspirations, for in accordance with this, I have formerly wrought. And the spirit Vernalis continued, Behold the child whose slumber is ended. Let the fragrant air of the morning fill his lungs fully. Let the depths between his foundation and crown measure an expanded being. And may the labors of his day be fulfilled. Let us embrace him, for the moment of his rising is at hand. As I rise, saith the child of wakening, streams of light rush in and seemingly past me, as if to fill a void that in part I've left behind. The light is at first quite blinding, for long hath it been occluded. Yet with it mine eyes will be reconciled, as radiance from above poureth down to fill mine aura, the mantle of my latest hopes and renewed estate. Lo, saith the Spirit pronounced, he that riseth and such as he that rise with him are not alone. For from the roots beneath their stalks stand tall, and the crowns adorning their summits are seen opening toward the heavens, as if to receive the scintillating beads of mana descending. Let them be grateful unto him who hath sent them this gift. And the child of awakening said this, Though the splendor is obscure to me, whose eyes are lately opened, all else around me see it. Creatures tread from afar, drawn to it. Bees from the awful depths swarm in to visit with me in my court, where the radiant pellets have fallen. Worship is in my heart, as it is in the hearts of all around me. For behold, we hunger not, nor thirst. And one crown towereth above all others, and its message hath reached even unto us. And a voice from above said, 
Thine is but one of many crowns in this earthly garden, far be it from the nucleus of paradise from which I have condescended. Be it known unto thee and others of thy kindred that ye are the children of earth and that ye are with me still. And the spirit Vernalis said this, How stately are the diadems upon their heads! Look at the ruby glory, behold the golden splendor, hearken to the tenor of their praises. Glorious be the garden in which they have awakened. Magnificent be the palace in which they dwell, and majestic the cathedral in which they now pay homage. Tongues do not speak here, neither do quills press upon the leaves, nor chalks upon the trestles, for words are inexpressible. Yet all things worship the Lord of life, and life returned. Alas, concluded the child of awakening, a faint and chilly breeze moveth in and wrappeth around, and then moveth on, sweetened by the royal sense, and carrieth off thoughts afar. Lo, the ears of nature are receptive to the ineffable, even as the God of nature receiveth our innermost thoughts, for the holy empire hath lit up. Let the prayer, the season, now be uttered. O Lord of hearts and aspirations, nurture well the seed of flower of new return, we beseech thee, even as we would nurture that which in our repose we have discovered deep beneath our shades. Let no nugget of hope be left to linger in the dust, but be made to seek its destiny. We thank thee for the dew of mercy descended and the cup of life tendered and, alas, the day of our rightful appearance. Keep us merciful and forbearant, O Lord of all life, productive and yielding, honorable and upright. May the glory we have yielded below be known on high and its remnants below sustain us, thy children. Let our orisons be heard and our prayers received, even as thy messengers have communed with us. Let the glory of life endure forever. Amen. Amen. Well, that was, of course, the uh, tribute to the season of spring. Excellent. Yeah, I, I was getting absorbed in parts and missed other parts while I was thinking about parts, so I'm glad it's recorded so I can go back and listen to it again. I, when you were talking of the mana, that's where my mind started to wander because I was thinking of Egypt and the bondage of Egypt as being analogous to uh, you know, being enslaved to the darkness of the cold and the, you know, the winter and, uh, and coming out of that as... Uh, as the flowers were opening, um, and and the mana from heaven coming down, and then I started thinking about how that was the springtime, you know, the very dawning of, of kind of an egregore at that point in history, and then and how it blossomed and went through its seasons, and then I started wondering at what point at what season we were at now, and in what, you know, all the various ways to look at that. And I was thinking of the Catholic Church as being sort of like the pyramids in Egypt and how the, you know, the Gnostics and the, and the heretics uh, the, these days that are kind of building the temple on our backs and sharing it in, in whispered uh, corners. Well, but, uh, you know, I, I interpret mana as, 
is um, a form of light. Mm. I know there are various uh, uh, theories on what it actually was, what it, what composed it. Um, but I have a, I have um, a belief that it's a form of light derived from the uh, Hebrew term or mm. the light that uh, that occurred before before the creation of the sun and moon. Right. And I explained this in a writing that um, was published in a uh, Catholic journal uh, called In Praise of the Mystical Light. The name of the journal is Archaeoterics, published by Newman University. Nice. Um, but uh, I, I go on and explain what, what I mean by mana and why I think it's a, uh, a part of the uh, evolution of light. Wow. So it's interesting you would catch that term. Yeah, yeah. No, they because people think of it as some kind of bread that fell from clouds, um, you know, which is, well, I mean, it, it's, in a sense, I'm explaining it as a crystallized form of, of or a crystallized form of light. Hmm. But then perhaps, I mean, you know, of course, it's always interesting to look at the many layers of uh, pot potential meaning in scripture, uh, the, the meaning of being lost in the wilderness, the meaning of being Israel, the people of God, the meaning of being the people of El, the meaning of being, um, you know, given this, uh, this thing that was unexpected in, you know, uh, that, that sustained them. And what does it mean to eat it? And what does it mean? You know, so that when I'm thinking of it, it's, uh, a form of light that's become manifest. Did they actually yeah. eat it or put it in their mouths, or is this a metaphor? Well, yes, yes. They discovered it uh, serendipitously on the ground, and, and um, uh, I think I described it as apples falling from the tree in heaven. You know, the tree of of life, that's yeah. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And these apples it fell down to earth, and that's what benefited the children of Israel. Mm. It gave them the light of God to sustain them in their in their uh, traverse of the uh, of the desert. But there was um, a, a great deal more. There was Shakespeare imagery. There was um, there was you know pagan imagery and 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 from all around. I can't. I, I, I uh, again. I'm going to have to well, re-listen to it. Yeah, the the term mana itself is is an old term that's not just biblical, but usually spelled with one M. Uh, it it, it, it refers to primitive cultures when when they uh, thought of it as expressing a spirit essence. Hmm. I first read, came across that in uh, in um, Armstrong's um, History of God, I believe that was the title, Karen Armstrong, mm -hmm. and uh, she describes um, mana in that in those primitive cultures. Very interesting. So shall we move over to the south? Well, let us do that, and we can uh, we can pay tribute to the season of the summer. All right. Well, we'll and, get some incense uh, going here. Get some oh, get a candle go. going Keep here. The right way. And yeah, yeah. Pumping some music that's appropriate or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, the, again, it's an allegory, and then of course it concludes with a prayer. Whenever you wish. Okay. Thus say the spirit Estevalis. Behold, the vernal spirits have completed their work, and the most reluctant sprout hath by now loomed for. The earth hath aroused and yielded the whole of her sleepy heads, and none remaineth in the place of dreams. All again emerge and have seen the radiance from above, felt the throbbing, heard the strains that echo here once more, yet all 
all the senses seem inclined upwardly unto what hath marked a shift in time, blazing the skies and blooming at heaven's gilded throne, upwardly toward the stately realm, whereunto the nectar suppen and those ascended have joined the monarch of the skies. Thus saith the child of labor, Yea, though I seek repose from my labors, as indeed my strength is abated, I am not disheartened, for my vision is yet firm. Nay, melancholy doth not reign here below, but sanguinity is beneath the radiant crown. Now come unto me and partake of my vision, ye who have slept and are of late aroused. Part the veils and see the glory that I have seen. Yet the heat of the day is strong, and all which have labored seek refuge. I too seek repose, but not beneath the shades of earth, but under the pinnacle of the Most High and His majestic beams, amid, amid the seeds of luster, which fall like glowing flakes of snow drifting from the Pyrian plates. How lightly they descend to fill our lungs and souls, how they make us whole. Come along, saith the Spirit of and gather around him, ye kindred, who have labored with second joy, and behold the glory of the day. Let the child of earth come forth, and upon his brow let be poured the balm of light. Let her too come forth to assume the vows of life and life return. Let their mirthfulness be noted. Let no gloom unto them appear, for this is the day the Lord hath made. Alas! concluded the child of labor. Behold, the, beyond the zenith are labors yet to be performed, but therein we shall not partake till all have seen the beauties thus far wrought, till all have gathered beneath the dome of day and given homage to what hath reached that lofty place. Far above the crowns upon our heads, above the thrones within our earthly realm, shineth the master's gleam, whose aureate petals glow, by whose propitious glance our works are seen as gems by day and stars by night. Let us hail the light we've seen on high and with joy resume the efforts of the day. And let not the keeper of the light depart from nature's holy house, lest we who have seen it return again to dust. <clears throat> Let, let the prayer of the season now be uttered. Hail, radiant light, bright and glorious be thy stature, author of all vision and intellect. Come unto us, we beseech thee, and hear the prayers of our desiring. Adorn the space about us, and grant us rapture therein. May the darkness we have known fade from our memories and recede from the zenith of our aspirations unto the nadir where let it nurture the seeds of hope and souls that await their birth. Until such time as our dreams will burgeon and the progeny of earth's great womb spring forth, let the present glory fill our lungs with lofty praises and send our thoughts afar to where the brightest blossom meets the sky. Let there be peace and light between us now, and so mote it be forevermore. Amen. Amen. That, of course, was the tribute to summer.
very nice. There was that, I forget exactly the term, but it made me think of Ra, the, uh, something about the emperor or something. The, uh... Well, I actually thought of that, too. Yeah. So, although I didn't name it specifically, you know, one can probably um, see various things here, depending on what his background is or what, you know, what his, um, you know, what his faith might have been, has been, and it's really designed for for anyone, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it made me think of you know the farmer that's been working since the spring. The harvest hasn't come yet, and it's kind of hot now. And they're like keeping themselves going and going. No, no, we're gonna we're not gonna pass out. We're gonna keep working. But it's uh, but I mean again that can be like that can be you know in sports that could be in a cult right. a cult study that could be in whatever it could be in. Art. This is not the sleep of the winter. It is the repose from, from the intense. Race it's the, the trial time. period. I mean, so a lot of people can start projects, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but can you see it through the summer? Yeah. And you know, part way through our 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 work, we have to give thanks to the Lord of the Universe. Yeah. Of the work, otherwise the remainder of our work is for naught. This is the day that the Lord has made. Um, uh, is that a reference to Pascha, to Easter? I mean, uh, 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 well, yes. Uh, I, I think that term, that expression, is <clears throat> is common in the, uh, Easter. So, but I, uh, but for every day, I I always think of it as every day. I uh, mm-hmm. I greeted someone saying Christos Anesti once, and they said wrong season, and I said, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, I guess you're stuck on a rock. I'm uh, I got it the first time. You know, like it's. It's not Easter's over. The four days are over. Now the resurrection has stopped, and we're back to oh, he's a baby. He or you know, yeah. Reset. <laughs> you kind of go through the whole thing again and be surprised by the surprise ending. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I I am you know a Christian, and my upbringing has been Christian, and so I it probably works on my mind. I'm sure it does. Yeah. But I I try to um, design these for people of any background universal because I think yeah. I think every religion has something um uh, there's a common thread I think even in the golden dawn it says there's a a ray that runs through every that emanates from every religion that uh, yeah returns to the same source and uh, ah, so the I, I try to yeah. to that concept it's really for everybody yeah very beautiful Okay, moving over to the West now. Um, in uh, we will celebrate autumn. All right. This is uh, my birthday is September twenty first, so this one's special to me. Oh well, there <laughs> we go. There we go. All right. A autumnal reflection. Thus saith the Spirit, Autumnus. Know thou not, my child of fruition, that all living creatures have sung with nature's tenor, all have paid homage unto him that weareth the crown of luster, for under his radiant dominion the laws of beauty and harmony are verily dispensed. None is denied the nurturing effects thereof, for the ever-extending outpourings of his wealthy heart have encompassed and ensured all from the beginning of eternity. But lo, my earthly child, the lofty monarch hath beckoned the attention of his progeny for a time, and hath lowered his diadem in token of what must come to pass. At first, 
say that he were bewildered. For with the lowering of his adornment, the skies are turned ashen, and the heavenly canopy has in part disappeared. What Widdershin's beast within this radiant court would dim their lights and take them farther back? Notwithstanding the trepidations for things not understood, let us hear what spaketh the king. Beloved among my kingdom's kindred, prepare yourselves to yield, for every atom within our being must give way for what in due time will take its place. Yet have no care, my beloved, for the earth will renew in time, and the radiance ye have seen will come again, and behold, ye shall be as infants born. What was meant by all this? thought the child of fruition. Indeed, I who, I who had heard these words have pondered them with query. Yet the king continued. The children of earth who lately at the peak of day had received their radiant balm and celebrated with mirthful delight the glory thereof will return again to their labors and rake the fruits from second fields. Ah, my child, saith, the spirit Artemis. Behold the fields that glimmer in the autumn air, the fruits that weigh the vines, the scattered rays of sun that prop them up, and the gentle breeze that carrieth their scents. Such as these will entice the children of earth, even as the king hath said. Around the table will they gather together and give thanks for what the Lord of all hath dispensed unto them and in a moment's time will suspend the anomalies of their hearts and make amends for their discordant ways. And the spirit Artemis said, Even as the leaves wither upon the branches and the fruits drop from their vines, so the errant sons of earth, whose attributes are vanished, return again to their homes and rediscover what always was within. Come unto me, if thou art wayward, and I shall embrace thee, for verily in thy loss thou hast discovered thy true worth. Listen further to the voice of the king who hath set down the crown. Take heed, my beloved, for ye will accomplish even that which your loftiest mentor shall have accomplished. Give, and ye shall receive. Give, and ye shall transform, for self-sacrifice is at the hands of the blessed. Hereunto were the instructions given unto his likeness, saith the spirit Artemis. Dearest child, to whom I direct my words, thou shalt become one with earth and earth with the sun. Knowest thou not that the florid beams cannot be bound to a world that hath no end? That which sprang forth will soon be collected and will give light within the house of men. Within the houses of men and women and all their children will the light be freely given, for the children of earth will not abide in darkness. Yea, though the stalks have bowed themselves and the branches likewise are become unflattened, and though the aureate foliage have fallen and returned to earth, Still the hearts of men will gladden. Truly the thankful will remember the last kindling as the shadows emerge.
Dearest kindred, saith the lofty monarch, my light hath ascended even as it doth now descend. Yet the lights of men still flicker at their tables and mantles, and their orchards are yet radiant, seeing that the illustrious coats of lonely branches are covering presently the ground in final glory. Rejoice, therefore, in the celebrations of men. Rejoice in them, even as I have said, for in them I have seen my kindred. And the spirit Artemis said this, Long live the king, and let us be grateful unto him for all that he hath taught. Lest he vanish from our memories, let us take final heed of him, that his successor will in rightful time receive a crown. Give and provide abundantly until ye have given all, for none but the unburdened spirit will rise to the glory. And yet more, dear progeny, have no care for whether it be beast or child that ye have seen within this court. For truly this day a messenger divine hath appeared and will lead thee to light beyond the darkness. Wherefore, my kindred, give all and be thankful for what ye have given. And the spirit Artemis concluded, and unto thee, my dear child, with whom I have declared my infinity, this I would say unto thee. Praise thou the Lord for what hath come and gone and what will come again. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the garden beyond. And let us conclude with a prayer. Praises be unto thee, O illustrious one, who art yet descending, even as the leaves of autumn now descend. Take not, I beseech thee, the course of the falling star, whose beauty is briefly seen, but whose essence never returneth. Come unto me and fill my heart and soul with the glory I have seen on high, and if not the whole of thy radiance, then an ember thereof, that I may preserve it as a memory ere I sleep. Teach me to give even as I have taken, to sow even as I have reaped, that truly I may comprehend the mystery of life and life eternal. Teach me to surrender, that I may also learn to love even as thou hast loved from before the birth of time. Let my friends be gathered around the table that I shall set, that we may pay, give thanks and pay homage unto thee. For great is thy name, and great are thy heavenly seat in thine earthly dais. Be with us in our solemn moments as we reconcile our deeds, offer our amends, and tender our pardons. Behold the candle that linger longest, for around such as this we shall have gathered, and around it also we shall have besought thy presence. Amen. Amen. And of course, the tribute to the to the fall. Very powerful. It got right to the core of what it's all about. You know, the harvest is done. We've we've gathered it all in. Now we know, especially if we're from up north, it's going to get pretty cold. <laughs> um, 
and it's time to share and that's that's really important because the people who reap the great harvest are going to have things rotting in the in the pantry and in the kitchen and the people who reap the not as good harvest are not going to make it through the winter so it's a call for the civilized creature the human the one with the neocortex who's you know has wisdom from previous ages and 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 uh, can see themselves in the in the face of another to share with their fellow mankind and i got two things out of uh, pay no attention to whether it's uh uh, a child or, or a beast, you know, feed the beasts if the beasts are hungry too on one hand. But on the other hand, I liked that because it was, if your symbol that gets you through the winter is the nativity, great. If your symbol that gets you through the winter is the beast or whatever it is, you know, great. Something will get you through the winter and then the light will come and pay, pay little attention to, to the symbol, to the form of, of the, uh, of the hope that carries you through the winter. And, and uh, so, yeah, I know it all came through ring very clearly. I love that. Very opposite words. Um, I, I wanted to ask, and, and uh, uh, Autumnus and Vernius, are these names from... These are merely the Latin names for the season. I thought so, but it's addressing them as beings. Yes, I'm personifying the uh, the, the seasons themselves. What would you say they look like? Of, in the form of a spirit. Well, that's interesting, and interesting you would ask that because, as I said, I think I'm going to be developing this into something larger, mm -hmm. and uh, what I'm really alluding to is something perhaps dramatic. Yeah, yeah. So I'm asking, like, uh, what as a casting director, like, what would you be looking for? <laughs> Well, that, that I have to, of course, think deeply on. But, uh, I, I bet it could be done by different people. Uh, yes, uh, that ultimately that would be desirable because I'm I'm trying to adjust my voice a little bit, you know, for the different characters here. There are basically three per per season, and I suppose ideally you would have um, you know, a different voice for the uh, the lofty voice of the of the summer and uh, the lofty voice of the spring and so forth. Yeah, and there's another lofty voice in the season yet to come. So. Yeah, and it it also rang like it was a child who probably has been through a few season, you know, a few years, but this is the first time that the child's doing it, articulating sentences and asking questions clearly. And exactly, that is exactly the case. You hit it right on the on the nose. Uh, this is a child who's been through many cycles and is now just discovering what all that means. Yeah. yeah. Through this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the eternity of life, the eternalness of life. So we're moving finally from the west over to the north. <laughs> to, yes, to, to the, uh, to, to the uh, season of winter. The greatest symbol of darkness. Uh, it's where the, that is true, and I think you'll uh, I think you'll sense some of that as I read into this. Yeah, uh, which I call in hibernal uh, reflection. Again, an allegory followed by by a prayer. Oh, and before you start, you had mentioned in the previous one a foreshadowing of of becoming one with the earth and the earth becoming one with the sun. What that made me think of was Kephra and the sun at night, the sun eclipsed by the earth beneath. And we're exactly. one with the earth, and the earth is one with the sun. But in exactly. a, you know, actually, uh, before I came up with the uh, the Latin terms for the seasons, I had 
some different. I was experimenting, and I had for the summer um, uh, uh, semtaris, which is um, from a, uh, an Arabic root meaning uh, the path of the sun as it goes above the head. Mm. And uh, so I, you know, I'm just playing around with these different terms, but I figured for for to make it more coherent. I would use the uh, the Latin terms of the season, since I think people can um, sense an awareness of them. You know. Now, what was the name for summer again? Um, the, for summer, what I I've got is um, Estivalis. Estivalis. Yeah. Okay. And but now so we're on the other the, side. Now we're on the um, the winter the side. Hibernalis. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay, and hibernal reflection. <clears throat> Thus say the spirit, Hibernalis. Greetings, dear child, on whom I have waited. Have no care, for I am not the beast thou had once feared. It may well be that the colors of nature known to thee have vanished in this season of ice, for the sky's aureate crown hath descended for a time, leaving only traces of its glowing essence at the horizon and casting glimmers on the backs of such as daunt before its last remaining gleam. All is dark save what seepeth through the cracks of silhouetted scenery and the ground beneath, which is quite snow-laden. Welcome, my beloved, for the spirit of autumn hath guided thee well. Let thy melancholies depart and trust my tenor, as even my words will spare thee from the numbness that the icy ground has hath claimed for thy barren feet. The colors of an est will return in thy dreams, I assure thee, even with such hue and dimension as thou hast never before known. Take my hand, therefore, for I am the spirit of thy dreams, and shall lead thee within such scapes and visions as will help thee formulate thy future life. <coughs> Who goeth there? Ah, we have knocked at the portal to a dark place, wherein thy weary body must rest for a time, and wherein its vigor shall be restored. Thou hast seen much light of late, my child, yet it is but a portion of the pure and unmixed light thou shalt one day comprehend. Until that day, thy condition is still mortal, and thy time shall be spent within the realm of light and shadow in counterbalance, each necessary to thy progress. Thou hast knocked, and the voice of the Lord of the shadows from within hath inquired. Let us therefore give answer. I am one who knocketh at the portal of his dreams, and seeketh to become acquainted with mysteries divine and sealed, that I may find expression in the day of my awakening, saith the child of dreaming. Retreat not, dear child, who hath knocked and given answer unto my query. Relinquish thy fear for what may seem austere in so strange a place as this. To thee and such as thou, the threshold is indeed dark, yet all seeds are sown in silence and grow in darkness and mystery. Here I grant thee fortitude, which thy next term will require. Now saith the spirit Hibernalis, 
Hereunto was the voice of the Lord of the shadows, and blessed be the darkness of which he speaketh. Darkness releaseth the mind from all that hath plagued it, and from the dross thereof, the separation from which will reveal the seed of life. All notions previously disconcerting will be gone, and apathy will vanish. With it, the light behind the darkness will be seen anew, unrestricted and comprehended by minds uninfected by barren and false thought. Blessed be the darkness for the light it will reveal. Know that the pure and untainted ideas of creation arose out of obscurity, even as with the ancient of days. In search of mates will they continue to rise and bloom in their commingling. Doubt this not, I say, whether scoffers taunt thee or partisans applaud thee for thine utterings. Those who understand the profundity of life will faint not before its obscurity, for upon it their reawakening will depend. If thou hast understand what hath been spoken, then thou art fitted for what lieth ahead, saith the spirit Hibernonis. Beneath the fallen leaves of autumn it is only thy body that sleepeth, and there the shroud of darkness will continue with its nourishment thereof. Thy spirit, however, unburthened and erect, is fitted for a journey into a land whereof Scipio among the ancients had spoken, in which could be seen the whole of the earth and the universe around it. Let us move on from the slumbering body, for there is more to be seen. Landscapes filled with ideas and spectrums which only men of sorrow would treat with scorn, and which only artists could find their suits. Such a palette will not be found in the place from whence thou came, I grant thee, but its mixtures will have etched into thy vaporous brain and psyche and reached its limits through thy phantom-like veins. Thy spirit will have absorbed much in thy wanderings, even so within such wondrous a place as that which we presently traverse. Hear now the voice that again beckoneth our ears. In truth, my beloved one, thou hast not left thy home on earth, for earth hath many a dimension undiscovered. Not all that is on earth will be seen by men for want of the discerning eye. Yet the mystery is carried in bird and beast and flower. It is revealed in its proportions and movements and in the omnipotence behind the divine will that may be penetrated through supplication. In part, by thy prayerful petitions and thine own proportionate will, thou mayest discern that which hath been allotted thee. Behind the lids of thine eyes is a sun with radiant beams. Let them be opened, therefore, and the world around thee be illuminated. And the spirit Hibernalis continued, Hail the Lord of shadows, for he alone is the guardian of light unattained. Now behold the rainbow before thee, offering light in such abundance 
and in such dimension as to exceed in comprehension the chameleon of earth. With the number of all things, within the number of all things infinite are all things contained, greater than the limits of thine intellect, but not of thine imagination. Even from the cord stretched between heaven and earth are notes resounded beyond the music of the spheres, and he that hath an ear to hear will in truth hear. Alas, <clears throat> alas, the effluence of a sweet-smelling savor is detectable in these parts, seeping from the roots of flowers yet to be, preparing for their springtime emergence. And let it be swept into thy lungs, never to be exhaled by wasteful breath, on to the canvas of thy future choosing, for the colors hitherto unseen will bear the aspirations of thy soul. And now, my child, ere the season passeth by, let us return to that which hath slumbered and rise again to thy life renewed. And the Lord of the Shadows did speak once more. Be pleased that thou hast slumbered and journeyed here, my beloved, and fulfilled another ring of thy destiny. When thou risest, thou shalt have forgotten all that thou hast seen and heard, yet none will be lost to thee. Return now to thy body and make supplication unto the Lord of the universe, for he hath looked propitiously upon thy journey, and when thy prayer is ended, arise and fulfill thy labors of love and life. And now let the final prayer be heard. Praises be unto thee, O Lord of the universe, which hath created all that is and shall be, all that is on high and that which is below, the seen and the unseen. Send us light to overcome the darkness from which we have emerged and wills tempered toward a better comprehension of an infinite existence. Let no motive make us swerve from a righteous course, even so beneath the clouds that lead unto the light. Sharpen our perception and grant us vision beyond the veil and expression beyond the ineffable through the vehicles of love, life, and a journey. Grant us rest from our labors in a place beyond the grasp of malice and doubt. And while we sleep, O Lord, let be breathed into our nostrils the gift of holy breath. Alas, with lungs thus filled, may we rise to our labors beneath the canopy of an empire, holy and divine. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I went into the going. We'll see. The two winter. It confirmed what I was thinking about. This was happening pretty far north because you had the uh, aurora borealis, it seemed like, um, which of course could be anywhere from northern Canada, you know, to uh, Iceland, Greenland, uh, mm -hmm. Siberia, uh, anywhere across uh, Eurasia in the north. I forget the name of that line. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyhow, uh, but then at the same time, it was a deep, it was a, it was a dream, it was a vivid dream 
uh, and it was death. It was the bardo, and it was, um, you know, just the uh, taking the child up to the top of the mountain to see all the stars that you can clearly see now, and uh, and having this intense experience with around, huddled around a fire with a blanket and maybe looking through a telescope and and becoming inspired and and having all these ideas for what what to do when spring comes around again and uh yeah it's very yeah. beautiful well and i think in the dream state we we see things that um you know the normal conventions of uh of diurnal life um you know uh you know in um in our dream state we see things that and hear things we understand things that are not avail accessible um in the conventions of um of daily life yeah diurnal life <clears throat> oh right I, I think i mentioned the composer robert schumann i believe that's the composer i have in mind who who in his dreams heard uh, music that was so gorgeous so beautiful that it was impossible to um to um to write down mm, yeah. in, in daily daily life i can relate with that for sure yeah. Yeah. i uh, i i went to a world that was uh, supposedly um, created by the collective visualization of the Sea Org in Scientology, and it was like this small planetoid. And I was walking around, and I was blown away by the fact that the map wasn't changing, the signs weren't changing. You know, when you look away and you look back, usually things change, but this wasn't. And so I, I got to the top of it. They were wondering what I was doing there, how I got in. And uh, I told them I was fighting demons on another plane, and somehow I, it came in sideways. And then at one point, I was looking at the uh, this computer, this elaborate, it was like right at the heart of the thing, uh, right where I wasn't supposed to be. Um, and I was trying to memorize it, because it was, it was very elaborate and very specific. There were all kinds of circuits and cables, and it all seemed to make perfect sense. And I thought that if I could just go, okay, there's this and that, and then that fits in there, that maybe I could wake up and draw the whole thing. But, of course, no way. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> wow, I look forward to seeing what, um, what you know, you were saying that this was going to grow into a, a whole other project. I, I'm rather certain that it will. And um, so you, you will have the, uh, the honor of knowing that you had sort of the, uh, the first uh, window into it. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely listen to this a few times, and and uh, maybe even I'll I'll send you a note because I know that there were a few different times that I had a a synaptic aha, and uh, then it went by, <laughs> much like the dreams that uh, we can't quite re remember, but luckily in this case it was recorded. <laughs> yes, and I have um, some forms of them on on Facebook um, on my Facebook page that mm. send out messages. I've been doing that every uh, season, you know, for nice. three years now, and so you'll see a kind of a, a related form to it, but not exactly in the form that you just just heard it, and uh, certainly um, not in the form that it will be in the future. So yeah, so there were uh, three things I wanted to ask you about before we close. Mm -hmm. uh, one, the um, now for many years from different people, you know, and it, it had turned out that 
there'd be one cool person that I would end up meeting and I'd say, this person's sharp. I you know, want to know who this person is. We get involved in, in deep conversations. And then, and then they say, yeah, I'm actually a Freemason. I go, oh, really? You know, which lodge? And then they say, oh, Culver City. You know, and I go, oh, okay. And then it had happened again. And then it had happened again. And it got to the point where when I would meet a certain kind of person, as soon as they'd say a Mason, I'd say Culver City. And they go, yeah, how'd you know? And, uh, and so it, it's, it's um, something that I've observed. I've never actually been there. Um, but I get invited to things there, and I know that there's something going on there that doesn't seem to be going on necessarily in every Masonic Lodge. Well, I, I think that's true. Uh, we, we have a, a reputation for, for what you're describing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been going on for several years now. Are, are you yourself a Freemason? I'm not, but my dad was, and my whole mom's side of the family. That I'm, my, when you go to Forest Lawn Glendale, the uh, you know, there's a, a big chunk of the Mason section that's my ancestors that built L.A. and all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a uh, Freemason by proxy, you know. I, I guess I don't know. I consider myself kind of out on the edge of it. I, I just don't like going to meetings. I, I spent, you know, as you might know, uh, you know, some 19 years going to going to meetings uh, out in the, the temple I was connected to. And so I'm, I'm very much enjoying my free time these days. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if my future self was a Mason, uh, but I, I don't foresee myself doing it right away necessarily. Well, I see. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> uh, drop into Culver City Fauchet Lodge. Yeah. We, we, never, we never solicit, by the way. Just, right. Uh, you have a lot of open events, too. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. And uh, perhaps you'll learn a little more about about us and about Freemasonry in general. Now, people who are listening to this might have seen the image that's going to be attached to it. The uh, background to that image is the lodge we're talking about lit up for the Halloween party this year. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, is, I, I think I may have seen that on a, on a Facebook page. Is, mm-hmm. Did you post that somewhere? Yeah, I, I sent it to you as uh, the picture that I was going to use for the episode. Oh, okay, and that was, I, I believe I'm holding a trowel. Yeah, it's the same image case. as your profile picture. Excellent, I think that'll be fitting. Yeah. So um, what can you say about your position uh, there? Or I know you're the organist, but yeah, you've been there for a while though, right? Well, I, I've been a Freemason since uh, 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm familiar with the building in which Culver City Fauché Lodge is housed. I've been in, associated with that building since my youth, mm. at age 16, because I, I initially joined a youth group called the Order of de Malay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my buddy so, Chris was a member. Uh, very good. And, uh, you know, I went through the, the ranks there. And then, of course, in uh, 1972, um, at that time, one had to be 21 years old in order to become a Freemason. The age is now 18, but at that time, I... Mm-hmm. I had to obey the law and waited till I was 21. <laughs> right. So um, um, I have served as master of my lodge five different occasions. And uh, the first time was in um, um, 5,977. Um, that's in the sonic terms, 1977. Mm-hmm. And the latest is uh, 6,001. Six thousand and one is that what? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Oh, got it, got it. So you just add four thousand. You add four thousand. Okay, okay. 
that work. Uh, just sort of a Masonic tradition. So. What, where does, what is that derived from? Because I'm familiar with the, the Hebrew uh, calendar. but Well, it, it, it has to do with uh, the creation of the world from the time of light. Uh, now, whether that's an accurate measurement or not, that, that's... Okay, okay. Is that connected with uh, some of like the... the the creationist museums and stuff like that? Is that yeah, it's called Anno Lucas, meaning the year of light. But I, I imagine you guys are more open to the to the 13 billion year universe theory. Uh, we're open to all theories. No, good. <laughs> Just checking. Uh, Freemasons are open-minded people. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's... Um, th people from different walks of life. Now, that's one thing. Now, if, But I, I also heard that... Um, I mean, people can choose whatever, not just the Bible, but people take their oath on the, the Tao to Ching. It is true that um, in recent years, um, legislation of the Grand Lodge of California has permitted the use of alternative writings. Uh, traditionally, it's always been the King James Version of the uh, Holy Bible, mm -hmm. and that, that uh, holy canon is uh, still on the altars as a regular uh, furnishing. But at the time, uh, an individual uh, candidate for the degrees takes his obligation, he has a choice. Because the idea of the obligation is not to, is not to express any particular um, religious doctrine or to um, test one's religiosity, but rather uh, to seal an obligation in which we commit ourselves to loyalty and, and uh, and, uh, and aid and counsel and so forth. And to make an obligation uh, binding, we take it in the name of something higher than ourselves. Right. And whatever holy doctrine can identify with that higher uh, supreme being in the mind of the candidate is what seals his obligation. Right. That's the purpose of it. Yeah, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have the higher power that you surrender to. And I have a friend whose higher power is Mickey Mouse. Well, it it works the same way. Um, now there is a list of, uh, of holy writings. Uh, you can't do it on Mickey Mouse. I'm afraid one that one is not on the list. But, you know, I think that's why. Last time I was not even Donald Duck there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but it is a list, and uh, it's it's fairly uh, fairly lengthy, and and um, and over time the Grand Master can add more to it. Uh, you know, one would simply come forward and say, "How about this?" and the list can be adjusted over time. Does that include the Koran? Yes, it does. And the Tao Te Ching, yes. and uh, any, any, any others off the top of your head? That... Uh, well, um, it, it, the, the Holy Tanakh and, and um, the, uh, the um, Buddha's uh, Tripitaka or Taipitaka, Depending on which version, mm -hmm. and, and um, if uh, you're a Zarathustrian, you can select the uh, Zendavesta, and uh, numerous others. I guess I would have to look at the list too. Excellent. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds good. Uh, so okay, so then the second of the three questions, on a totally unrelated, having nothing to do with what we were just talking about, at some undisclosed location somewhere in the greater Los Angeles area, rumor has it. Uh, you're you're the premonstrator of of a traditional Golden Dawn order. Uh, that rumor stands correct. <laughs> it's more than just a rumor. Uh, it is true. It's a discreet um, temple, so I don't I don't reveal um, its name or 
uh, who who was involved in it. Um, I, I'm probably the only name that can really be in my name and perhaps that of a of um, Father Runyon, I believe you've, right. you've met him. Yeah, he had he had mentioned it. The founder of the temple, um, my my predecessor, um, um, was a student was a student of uh, Israel Lagarde. Right. In the old days, there was that strong tie-in between the Masons in London and uh, the original Golden Dawn. So, I mean, if someone's looking for the authentic experience of uh, traditional Golden Dawn. I don't know. It seems like you guys are pretty darn close to it. Well, we, we try to maintain uh, the, the classical aspect of the Golden Dawn. I know there are a lot of splinter groups out there that um, use the name Golden Dawn, and uh, they may or may not accurately uh, um, reflect the, uh, the original right. Golden Dawn. And yeah. Who can say who truly reflects the original? Uh, but but um, we, we try to stay with the classical format and yeah. not depart too much from it. Well, in the order I uh, came from, the job of the premonstrator, one of them was to keep the temple traditional. Yes, and uh, and uh, certainly my predecessor was very much disposed to that uh, that kind of thinking, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm um, honoring that, that tradition. When people would ask me a question, I would all uh, well, I say always, but often uh, say, "Well, I'm going to have to answer that question twice. I'll answer first as the premonstrator, and then I'll answer as BT." <laughs> oh well, okay. <laughs> the answers uh, weren't always the same. <laughs> the answers are always the same. <laughs> when I was in that role, these days I'm not in that role, so I, I uh, just speak as BT. <laughs> So I guess my third question is, uh, were you always interested in esoterica, or did that develop at a certain age? Well, I, I think it, it really um, developed through Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. uh, Freemasonry is, in my mind, it's, it's, of course, is not a magical order, but it certainly opens the mind to various uh, ideas that are, you know, floating around the universe that are, you know, either ideas extinct or extant and it, it revives them for their their um their their worth and their vitality and 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 I think few institutions can do that as well as Freemasonry. Many um many um students I know in, in, in magical orders have received inspiration from Freemasonry. And it's interesting you should ask, you know, perhaps by by hearing the um the uh, the seasonal meditations that I offer today, there's a great deal of uh, of charity and benevolence contained in them, and and I have to admit that Freemasonry has influenced uh, the way I perceive the Golden Dawn. It um, the Golden Dawn is not Freemasonry. I want to make that very clear, but uh, it is very benevolent, and what Freemasonry does. It it makes us look at ourselves, it makes us penetrate ourselves, discover who we are, and to figure out what we must do to make ourselves better. But it does not stop there. Freemasonry is a social institution. That is, it looks at humanity as one family. Um, the chief cornerstone is the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Now, when we look at that concept... Um, 
that's very challenging. Every man, woman, and child on earth is related under a universal parent. That intensifies our obligations. Um, there is a lot of evil and depravity in the world, and how do we look about and look at such evil and depravity and say, well, this, this is my family. How do you navigate that? Yeah. Uh, well, that is an obligation of Freemasons. And how do we do it? How do we do it? First, we, we build ourselves. We build our spiritual temples. Even as the Temple of Solomon is built to, to um, invite deity to take the establishment of the mercy seat and proclaim approval. So we build our spiritual temples and invite God into our lives, hoping that God will come into our lives and proclaim approval of our work. And if we do that, we have truly made ourselves better and all the more instrumental to go into the world and make it a better place in which to live. Now, will we ever change the world in our lifetime? Very doubtful. But if we are a light and walk into the world carrying a light, we can perhaps begin to plant a seed, set the example. Maybe somebody in a place of darkness will see light for the first time in his life because of the light that we discovered and shared with humanity. That's how we change the world. One day it will happen. You're here. I uh, I guess the one thing we didn't mention uh, that I, I, I should mention before we close was your role in Beyond the Maria. Oh, you uh, you saw the movie Beyond the Maria? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that movie. I tell everybody they should see it. Um, but there's Thank there was you. two characters that you played. Well, I, I, would you? Uh, there was in Philo. fact, I, I guess everybody played two characters. That's and, true. And and each each one played a uh, sinister role and a benevolent role. Mm-hmm. And uh, indeed, mine was uh, was respectively well. I, I the, the benevolent role, of course, was Master Philo. Yes, on Mount Shasta was uh, Abaddon. Right, the evil, uh, uh, the satanic cult leader who was going to open a dimension to let the uh, the I forget the name of the guy, the critters from the other dimension and the. Richard Shaver novel or uh, the Darrows. The Darrows, yeah, that's right. And the, but then the the good you was was much more like the view that I'm talking to today. I, I, if, if you don't mind my saying, um, very poetically helping people to connect with nature and their their inner selves simultaneously. And uh, yeah, so well, I, it's interesting you would say that because I certainly identified more with the. Uh, with the uh, master Philos, I felt more comfortable in that role. Yeah. In fact, in the other role, I I, I felt some discomfort at a couple. A couple oh times. yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I had to hold that pistol to to the young lady's head. I did not feel comfortable with that at all. Yeah. At all. You know, but it's interesting. Some people say they thought I did a better performance on the uh, the on sinister the, one. <laughs> that. So I'll let you be the judge on that one. But. But uh, it, of course, it it does tell us we all have choices to make, and and uh, and uh, this is our opportunity in this in this mortal life, in this uh, in this uh, realm of light and shadows. Yeah, we can create this, or we can create this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It also makes made me think a little bit. Of, you know, when uh, when kids get into the occult, this is what your parents think you're doing. This is what you're really doing. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I I think that um, we owe the Golden Dawn uh, the uh, the idea that it really is for the good. You know, there's nothing uh, nothing cynical or sinister about it. Yeah. In fact, we take obligations, you know, not to participate in stuff that is detrimental or, or what would be called evil. Yeah. And and we we have to embrace that. And 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 it's more than that. We've got to, we there's an activity in our lives that that not just say an obligation against it, but we must act it in our lives by by doing that which is good. That is really why it's there because we must be good. Yeah. They, well, a lot of the institutions they work on on changing the self, and that's a good thing. But in my mind, it always goes beyond that. We we are not just ourselves. We live in a world with with our other fellow creatures, and there's one Lord of the universe, and that is the Lord of us all. Living it, living living that lifestyle, and also modeling it to others, but most importantly, living it. You know, but uh, you know, obligations and, and living them at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Esoteric Nerd podcast today, brother. Well, thank you very much. I it was very, very nice talking to you, and I, I really enjoyed, and it was an honor to be the the first to hear that poetry, and uh, and uh, look forward to talking to you again, and uh, look forward to seeing you out at uh, one of these days. I'll make it out to one of the. One of the public events out at uh, the Fauchet Temple out in Culver City. Well, thank well, you so much. My daughter, have a blessed day. You too. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Merrick, for joining us on the Esoterra Nerd Podcast. And thank you, as always, to Camille and Kennerly, for the lovely harp transitions. Special thanks to the monks at Jofuku Inn Temple whose voices you are hearing right now. Special thanks to Eguchi Takahito, who composed the Rosenkreutz Orden theme. Special thanks to Koji Kondo for composing the theme to Zelda A Link to the Past. And as always, special thanks to you the esoteric nerd listening to this podcast. Go forth now unto thine own abodes and habitations, and go thou with the peace and blessings of Yeshua Yehovah Be there always peace between you and us, and be ye ready to come again when ye are called. For I now declare episode 33 of Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Duly closed. <laughs>